Welcome to the New Beginnings Fellowship Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Hi, everybody. While you're uh, doing the offering, uh, I'm just going to introduce myself. I'm Ryan Knight. I'm your family and connections pastor. I am extremely excited about being here. Uh, Are you ready for a great Sunday? That's not a good enough answer. Are you ready for a good Sunday? I am too. I, I've had a really crazy week, uh, just extremely busy. I, I, I found out that I was preaching on Tuesday morning, which is kind of hard for me because I'm more of like a, a two, three week kind of preparer type guy. But I'm excited about this because I'd been, I'd been actually reading this passage quite a bit. Just so you know, just to get your, your Bibles ready, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Uh, but just to kind of give you uh, an analogy of how my week was, you know, today it kind of was a culminating uh, moment of how my week was kind of crazy. Maybe you can relate. Uh, last night, I, was, I actually stayed the night at this resort with my son and one of his friends and his dad, and, and so I brought all my clothes that I was going to wear today to look nice for you uh, to the resort, and so uh, I put on my pants today, and I realized... It was one of those days where I was like, these pants weren't this tight a month ago, one of those days, you know, so does anybody relate? That's kind of a a tough day. So um, just to let you know, we are going to have so much content today, and I'm going to try to just get through this uh, very quickly, but I need you to just really be tuned in. And I really need you to focus on some of the, there's some, obviously, there's some points that are coming from, the, from the, the passage, but there are some unintended points that are like, I would say bonus points that are coming just because of where we are as a church. It's not an accident that Pastor Richard is, has started a study of how to study your Bible on Wednesday nights. After you hear today's message, you're going to realize it is not an accident. We're supposed to be in our word. We're supposed to know the word of life. Would you remember that word? Say that word, word of life. Say it like you mean it, word of life. You're gonna hear that in this passage. Um, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get into it. So here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this wonderful group of people. I pray that we can learn, and we can be just so, so refined by your word today. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Please read with me Philippians 2. 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you will shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. 17, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. That is the word of the Lord. So what we have to look at first is how does this passage start? We've done this before. If you went through the book of James with us, it started with a therefore. 
Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, this is Bible literacy, you've got to figure out what happened before. But this is a really interesting text. Because when you look at what the verses that came before it, it starts with a therefore. So that means you have to go even farther back. Do you see how that works? We've got two things. We've got a therefore in Philippians 2, 11, like 9 through 11, a therefore there. Then we have a therefore in Philippians 2, 12. But then in 13, we have what's called a for, which is, it's like, it's like telling us why all this happens. So basically, 13 is the payoff for Philippians basically 2, 3 through 12. All right, so let's, let's go ahead and do this. Let's go back. So let's start with uh, the therefore that is before our therefore, okay, which is Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, therefore, this is very important, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, to bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Let's stop there. Therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name above every name. Well, why did God bestow this name that is above every name? There's the therefore, right? So we have to go back. You're gonna have to do this one on your own. You're gonna have to start at Philippians 2, verse three. Look in your Bible. Philippians 2, verse three, and it says, do nothing from selfish ambition. Now, this is Paul talking to the church. He's talking to the church, and he's saying, hey, do this. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, now this is where he starts talking about Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Did you hear that language in Philippians uh, 12 through 18, we, just, we did hear that about a drink offering. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So, this is a very interesting text because what happens is we are realizing that Paul's talking about, hey, you be humble. You be humble because Jesus was humble. And if you are humble like Jesus, what, what did God do to Jesus? He exalted Jesus, right? So there's a promise in there. And now some of you are gonna get really upset when I say this, you're like, the promise is that if you are Jesus-level humble, he will exalt you. You're like, oh, that doesn't sit well. Well, it's in the Bible. I mean, even if you look at James chapter four, verse 10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Exalted doesn't mean he makes you a king. It means that he lifts you up. He raises you up. He sets you apart. So let's make sure we understand this. Paul says, be humble. And then he gives Jesus level humble example. And he says, therefore, he, you will be exalted. And then he says, work out your salvation. So let me put it to you this way. If you practice Jesus-level humility, being poured out and humble the way God did, God exalted Jesus, and he will exalt you. So work out your salvation, which is Philippians 2.12. Then it goes to Philippians 2.13, because he is in you. So I'm gonna give you a real life example, okay? Of just that same pattern, all right? 
So my wife, anybody like Amy Grant? Anybody like Amy Grant? I don't know why, but my wife loves Amy Grant. She loves Amy Grant. As a matter of fact, I'll come home and she'll be listening to Amy Grant, and I promise she's happy, but she's, she's sobbing. She's listening to Amy Grant, and she's like, oh, this is so beautiful songs. And my daughter, Claire, is now really into Amy Grant. They both love Amy Grant. So if, if, if I was to say to them, if I was to say, okay, here we go. Aubrey and Claire, you have tickets to the Amy Grant concert, and if you dress up really nice... Amy Grant is going to invite you to dinner with her. So, dress up really nice. Because I, your father, your husband, I've already bought the tickets. I've already gotten the car ready. I already have the coordinates and the GPS because the Lord knows I can go nowhere without a GPS. Do you see how that works? He's, He's telling us that if we practice humility... Like Jesus practiced humility, there's a promise in there. The promise for my wife was she will get to eat dinner with Amy Grant. The promise for us is we will be exalted. We will be lifted up. So dress up. So work out your salvation. Why? Because it's already been taken care of. You've all, it's already been done for you. We do nothing but accept a salvation but we work it out, so we have to work out what he has put in us. That's what we're being told in this, this verse. Now, I'm gonna take a little, little sidetrack because we need to talk really briefly and very quickly about how much Paul knew his Bible because remember that part that I was telling you about, the word of life, I made you say it two times, word of life. The word of life, is, is, it's the gospel and it's your Bible. It's knowing your scriptures. Paul knew his scriptures. Paul knew the Bible. As a matter of fact, you could really see a lot of relationship between Deuteronomy chapter 31 and chapter 32 in this very section. Because you'll, you know, you'll hear uh, in Moses in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, he says, he says hey, I'm, 121 year, I'm 120 years old. I'm not going to be here for a long time. You got to be obedient even when I'm gone. Well, Paul started off this section with saying, Hey, you are obedient as you always have, but you've been obedient in my presence, but also in my absence. And then he actually lifts some words later on in the passage straight from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32. So he knew his Bible. And why is this significant? Because like I said, there's no accident that the pastor is having a class about knowing your Bible and we're in this passage. It's no accident. There's no accident that we should know our Bible. And let me tell you why I know Paul knows, knew his Bible. Paul We already told you that he was part of the Sanhedrin. He knew the word. It wasn't permeated in his heart. There's a difference between just knowing knowing the word and then having a relationship with Christ. When you put those together, it's like a superpower. But here's what I know about Jewish children. Paul was a Jewish boy. Jesus was a Jewish boy. And from the ages of six to 10, Jewish boys did something that was called Bet Sefer, which was called the house of the book. For five years, they would study Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy to memorization. To memorization. That's what they did five days a week, bet sefer. And if they were good at that, then they would go on to the next step, which was called bet Talmud. But if they weren't good at it, then they would learn their family trade. Fishermen, tent makers. Paul's family was most likely, well, Saul at that time when he was a kid, uh, he was most likely a tent maker. Or, or maybe carpentry, okay? But if they were really good, they would go on to the next step, which was called 
Bet Talmud, which was the house of learning, and this is from the years of 10 to 14, and what they would do here is they would now get the rest of the Hebrew scripture, like our Old Testament, and they would start to memorize it. And they would learn the ancient art of Jewish questioning, which is so interesting. This tells me that we have evidence that Jesus went through this as well, because if you look at uh, Luke chapter uh, two, verses 46 and 47, uh, this is when Mary and Joseph got back to town and they're like, oh no, where's Jesus? By the way, parents, has that ever happened to you? Like you? You're like, oh no, where's my kid? They're supposed to be with me. One time we left one of our kids at home and we went to church. It was, they just played Madden, it was fine. Um, it says, after three days, they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So Jesus was getting part of this. Paul understood this when he was a kid. He knew his scripture. He was able to, to he, it was part of who he was. He understood it. Then if you were really, really good, you went to this part called Bet Midrash, which was where you would actually go to a rabbi and you say, hey, will you be my teacher? And then they would ask you questions. Actually, they would, they would quote scripture and you had to quote the scripture before and after. And some people would say, now, now historians kind of argue about whether this is a true fact or not, or if it's just more, more like lore, but man, I sure hope it's true because it's so beautiful. People would say, whenever they would, would be accepted by a rabbi, and they would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Meaning, you follow so closely to your rabbi when you're on the streets, the dust just starts, just, just is all over you, right? Some would even say that if, if your rabbi walked with a limp, his pupils would walk with a limp. Isn't that beautiful? Being so close to your rabbi. And what I love about that concept, it's not just that we, to prove that Paul knew the scripture. The, what I love about that concept is that <laughs> it shows us that who were Jesus's disciples? They were the fishermen. They were the carpenters, they were the hard workers, they were the people like me and maybe the people like you. They weren't the best of the best, but Jesus made them his pupils. Paul didn't realize that until later in his life when he converted and let the Lord transform him. He, he put the knowledge of the, of the word and the relationship with Jesus together and then it became, like I said, like a super power. Now, Oh, this, this relationship that, that can, can transform you, it, it's, it's quite amazing. But here's what I need you to, to understand. Let's, let's just break down really quickly 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. What a beautiful thing. I wish I could say that to everybody I knew. You know, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, because that just doesn't happen. So now, not only in my presence, but more, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. It's very interesting that Paul puts own salvation he doesn't say, hey, work out that person over there's salvation that you don't think is doing well. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means take very seriously this thing that God has done in you so it can work out of you. Like, let it actually come out of you. Let the, the word of salvation come out of you. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I love, thank you, Rex. The other day I was in church and Pastor Richard said something and, and I put my finger up like this and I went like that and Rex goes, amen, I knew it, I knew it was coming, so thanks Rex. But isn't it interesting that sometimes like that part about will and work, we, know, we all do work, 
But isn't it interesting how we don't always have the will to do what we're supposed to do, or maybe we do have the will to do the things that we're not supposed to do? Isn't that, that hard? Knowing that it's not just the work that we do for, for the Lord. By the way, this is not a works-based salvation message. I've already told you, it's what he has already done for us. But the things that we do, you know, it brings him pleasure. But do you realize that it's your will also that brings him pleasure? That's hard. That's really hard. Sometimes maybe we just need to pray specifically that he will give us the will to do his will, to change us, to transform us. Well, how do we work out our salvation? Well, Paul is so kind. I love Paul. Paul is so kind. He actually tells us in verse 14 exactly what to do. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I have a few little diatribes I wanna go through on this one right here, okay? First of all, more evidence that Paul knew the the word. If you looked at Deuteronomy 32.5, this is what it says. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer children uh, because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Paul is speaking straight from the book of Deuteronomy. He knew this, and he wrote this to the, to the church in Philippi. So we, we go a little bit further. And by the way, those of you that maybe have the argument that the Bible is not a timeless book, thousands of years ago in Deuteronomy, they were saying this is a twisted and crooked generation. Paul was saying this is a twisted and crooked generation. What are we saying about right now? This is a twisted and crooked generation. This is a word of, the word of God is for us right now. And do all things without grumbling or disputing. Oh my, this is how it works at my house. Have you ever, have you ever asked someone, like your kids, to clean their room? Hey, will you clean your room? And this is what my kids do. I don't know about your kids. My kids say, oh, Father, I am so excited to clean my room. I will clean it to the utmost and, and I will make sure that nothing is out. And when I am finished, I will come and ask you to check it. And if there's anything that does meet, not meet your standards, I will gladly take care of it for you. That's, what happen- That's not what happens in my house. This is what happens in my house. Clean my room. I'm going to sleep in my bed tonight. Why would I do that? My underwear are perfectly fine on the lamp. Why do we even dust? I'll do it. I'll do it just because you told me to do it. Okay. That's our kids. But how far off, aren't we supposed to have like a lot more self-regulation as adults and aren't we the same way? Oh, fine, I'll do it. I don't want to do it. This is stupid, but I'll do it. You know, I, I, the Lord is so amazing how he works things. Monday night, I got a call from this wonderful guy named Brad Dolph. Brad Dolph is one of my favorite people in the whole world. He's, he's so full of integrity. He's a, he's a, he's the, Dr. Dolph is the principal at, at the uh, School of the Ozarks. And every time he talks, I listen to everything he says. Because, and I even write down quotes because he's, he's like, uh, uh, like full of quotes. It's so amazing. But Dr. Dolph calls me Monday night. He says, hey, there's this girl, this, she's a young mother, she's in need, she, um, she needs to be moved immediately, she's kind of in distress with her family, can you help me find some people? I'm like, well, I don't know, it's so late in the night, I don't know if I could find people to help tomorrow, but I could help tomorrow, and he's like, okay, let's do this. And then I got a, a text in the morning saying that, hey, Ryan, we need you to preach, and I was like, oh, and then I realized what we were preaching about, not grumbling and complaining. I was like, oh, no, fine, that's fine, that's great. You know, I'm not gonna complain about that. That'd be bad. Um, but then, so, so it's been kind of a crazy, crazy, you know, week. And I went to go help Brad and this other gentleman. And we went to this little shack and we, we literally just unloaded all these boxes that were full of just junk and put them in our, our trucks and 
We went back to the storage facility, and then when we got there, the young lady told Dr. Dolph, she, she says, so Dr. Dolph, so I'm sharing this, this storage facility, so what we have to do is we have to take everything out of the storage facility first, and then we're going to put my stuff in the back, and then we're going to put all the stuff that was in there back in. And I was thinking, oh, man, what's Brad going to do on this one? You know, I was like, I was thinking he's going to, like, kind of get, in, get into it. There and, but that's not what happened, because Brad is like, He's amazing, and he, he said, young lady, that's what we call a, a bait and switch. That's a sales term. That's when you tell people one thing and you give them another. I would rather you just tell me what you wanted us to do in the first because we're gonna do it anyway because we love you, and then we did it. And I'm doing Tetris in this garage, you know, like trying to get all these things, and I'm, I'm kind of crying a little bit because I'm like, Brad just made an illustration for my sermon that I just found out that I have this morning. He totally did this without grumbling or disputing. It was beautiful. So how do we work out our salvation? Quit grumbling and complaining. Quit grumbling and disputing about things. Quit grumbling and disputing when you have opportunities to do things. Quit grumbling and disputing when the pastor preaches too long and the kids are in the kids' area too long. It's okay. Teach them about Jesus. You know, like we have all these, I know it's hard. Trust me, I know. But, but here's the thing. We've got to stop because what we were told is that we would be different than this crooked and twisted generation if we just quit grumbling and complaining. Quit grumbling and disputing. And not only that, it said that you're gonna be a light in the world. But how, how, do, how does that really, you know, happen? Well, look at 16. This is so beautiful. 16 says, holding fast to the word of life. Okay, I'm gonna go back. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So let's stop for a second. Go to the slide that tells what the word holding fast means. This is a Greek word, and it is apeho. This can be translated as holding fast, holding out, or offering. And, and as I was reading my study Bible, it actually said most likely the word offering would be the word that would be used here, which I always think is funny in the study Bible when they say that. I'm like, then why didn't you just put it in the study Bible as the word that we use? But anyway, um, but, but listen, let's read that again, but let's put the word offering in there. Ready? Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen. Offering the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be poor, uh, proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. My wife has this amazing saying. She says, you can't offer, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. How can we offer the word of life if we don't have the word of life in us? Now, I don't want you to, to, to leave like, like feeling bad about yourself, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to answer this question right now. The, the word of life, just so you know, Paul's talking about scripture. He's talking about the Bible. He's talking about the gospel, the word of life. So I want you to just answer this question, not out loud. I want you to answer it in your brain right now. How often do you read the Bible? How often do you read the Bible? I have an amazing, I, I know exactly what to tell you when it comes about the accurate amount of times that you should read the Bible. Are you ready? Whatever your answer is right there, ready? Here's how much you should read the Bible. More. 
read it more. If you read it once a day, great, read it more. If you read it once a month, read it more. If you never read it, it's easy to read it more. You just have to open it up and read one word and you've read more. Read it more. Let it permeate your life. Okay, so as we, we look at this, this offering, offer the word of life, offer the word of life. To offer the word of life, you have to have the word of life. Some of you are gonna leave today and everybody's gonna make a choice today, but it's really great. Some of you are gonna make a choice that I'm going to be able to offer the word of life more. And some of you, so remember Paul, Paul, that's how Paul is. Paul had that knowledge, but until he had that relationship, it didn't make sense. Some of you have the relationship, but you're not really in the word of life very much. Hey, guess what? Wednesday nights, Pastor Richard at 6.30 has a, a study about how to know your Bible. You might wanna come. Right there. But some of you, some of you maybe were like Paul, and you know a little bit about the Bible, but you don't have a relationship. Well, today, I hope that everybody makes a decision either to do more of the Bible or start a relationship and do more of the Bible. Are you with me? 100% commitment. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. Doesn't usually happen. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to blaze through these last two, two uh, verses. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, this is 17, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is saying something very, very amazing here. He's writing to the church in Philippi. He's saying, there's a good chance that I'm gonna die in prison. There's a good chance that I'm gonna die. But even if I do rejoice, because the word of life, you're gonna be a light. Rejoice because we're doing it right. We're not grumbling and complaining. And Paul didn't die when he was in Rome in this particular arrest, he didn't. He actually went on some other missionary journeys. It was the next time he went to Rome that he did die and he was beheaded by Nero. So he foreshadowed, well like Nero didn't actually do the work, he had somebody else do it for him, but you know what I mean. Um, but Paul was killed, uh, he wasn't killed at that house arrest, but he was killed later on. He foreshadowed what was going to happen, and he was saying, do not make all these sacrifices that I'm making, that you're making, do not make them in vain. Let's keep doing the good work of Jesus Christ. Let's keep speaking the word of life. So here's what I need you to do. Here's, here's, the, here's the payoff, okay, here's the payoff. Everyone has an application today, and we're gonna go through that in just a second. If you don't know your Bible, you're gonna make a commitment today to do more, to read your Bible just a little bit more. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, you're gonna make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. But here are some of our, our applications here. Offer the word of life. I want everyone in here to start getting into their Bible so you can offer the word of life. Let it be so firm in you. Let, you know what? This wasn't part of the sermon, but I'm just gonna tell you this. This is so amazing. Um, I was approached by our intercessory prayer team. They said, this is what we were praying about, and this is what came to our mind this morning. It says, Isaiah 7, 9. It says, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. They just gave that to me. That is so right on with what we're talking about today. So, offer the word of life. Let's rejoice together as servants. Let's quit grumbling and complaining about the opportunities we have. 
Ryan Knight, don't be mad that you get the opportunity to, to preach, even if it's on short notice. Be happy about it, which I am now. It was too early in the morning when I found out. Uh, let what he has done in you work out into the world. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just reiterate this one more time, okay? Please just, just let me do this one more time. The work has already been done. He already made the sacrifice. He already did all the hard stuff. He already did it in you. If you accepted him, he's already done it in you. All you have to do now is let it work out. You know what that means? That means there's a big difference between making a decision to follow Jesus Christ and letting your life transform and saying, I'm yours. Whatever it is, I'll make room for you. Whatever you want. That's the difference. I would love for you guys to take that and, and, and use that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, we're going to close right now. But here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to close their eyes. Okay? Close your eyes. And if you are a person that you just know, you're feeling the Holy Spirit working in your life, and you're like, I am going to commit right now, this very moment. I know it's, it's kind of scary. I'm going to commit to reading my word of life more. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I see hands all over the place. I see hands all over the place. Now you can put your hands down. Now we're going to do something really scary. If you're a person that you're not quite there because you haven't quite made that relationship, here's what I'm going to ask you. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to be bold enough to open your eyes and make contact with me with your eyes. Look up at me if you're going to make a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Look at me. Make eye contact. I want to see you. I want to see your eyes. I want to see your eyes. Now we're going to pray this together. And you know what? Let's just all pray it together. Let's just, let's, let's just make it easy for everyone. Let's pray it out loud. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I admit that I am a sinner and you have saved me with your sacrifice. Please be the leader of my life and thank you for being a risen Savior. Help me to hide the word of the gospel in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, all eyes open. If any of you made that commitment, you prayed that prayer, and that's something that you wanted to make a choice today, please don't make it just a one-day thing where you said, ah, I've got that fire insurance. I'm good. No, make it a transformational situation in your life where you now you start looking at the Word of Life and you start reading the Word of Life, and let's go out and do things that we didn't even know we could do. Put the superpower of the relationship and the Word together and be an instrument for him just as Paul was an instrument to the Gentiles. You are dismissed. You may go in peace. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about New Beginnings Fellowship, connect with us or give, visit nbfhollister.org. Have a great week. And remember, 
We are the church who radically loves, serves, and encourages.